That's in the air, this could be out. Diamond's underneath it, will he catch it? He's got good hands, he's got him, yes he has. Diamond's got him in the deep, having fumbled all night, he's taken the big one. It went wild in the Hello and welcome to Couch Talk. The guest today is former South African captain Kepler Wessels. He talks about his return from Australia in 1985 and the chance to play for and captain South Africa in the 90s. The 92 World Cup, South Africa's first test after readmission versus West Indies, how he tried to mold the team and also the captain's legacy he tried to leave behind amongst other things. Welcome to the show Kepler. I came back from Australia. In '85, that's right. Yeah, came back. He played the uh, provincial cricket, um, and then in 1990, Mr. Nelson Mandela is officially released from custody. Did you positively believe that you would be playing international cricket again, but this time for South Africa? No, I didn't. When I first came back from Australia, I thought my international career um, was over. Um, I wanted to continue playing, but I also wanted to combine a career outside of cricket with my uh, with my playing days still. And uh, it came as a surprise to all of us. 1991, basically uh, 10 days or so before we went to India, that tour was announced. And uh, yeah, it came as a surprise to all of us. And for me, it was yeah, it was uh, obviously terrific to be back in the international stage. That 91 tour to India for three ODIs, you know, uh, suddenly it's announced and you're put together as a team. How hard was it to come together as a team? Um, I think um, for me, uh, because I'd been to India before, I knew what to expect. So I was really looking forward to going back. Uh, for the other guys, it was a, a novel experience. They'd never played as a South African team outside of South Africa and certainly not in the subcontinent. So they didn't really know what to expect. But uh, we had a wonderful week. I mean, the tour is very short. It was just the three matches. And uh, it, it really was a wonderful week. And uh, it was topped off by winning the last game in Delhi, which uh, for us was... Uh, uh, was a good thing. And uh, after that, we had the World Cup, mm-hmm. the World Cup. Yeah. You led the team, um, and five uh, rice was dropped. Out. Yeah. Uh, how did you want to mold the team? Were you focusing on, you know, doing a, giving a good performance in the World Cup first and foremost, or were you thinking about, you know, building something for the future? No, uh, it was absolutely about putting in a good performance at the World Cup. Although there was no international experience in the side other than myself there was a lot of first class experience uh, a lot of the players who were, who were in that team had been playing at a very competitive level for a long time and I knew that um, the side was a good one uh, I also knew that we would be lacking in international exposure but I was always confident that uh, that we could, would give a good account of ourselves um, making the semi-final of course was uh, an added bonus but uh, I thought it was a strong side and four days before the semi-final, there was a referendum here in South yeah. Africa, yeah. and uh, the result of which, yeah. I mean, there were say some that said that you know South Africa might be withdrawing from the series yeah. if the vote was no. Yes. So, what was it as captain, and what was the mood within the team? And you know, you, you guys must have been paying a lot of attention to what was happening here. We were. I mean, we had to. We were. We were clearly very stressed because um, the tournament was a successful one for us. We all thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Politically, we didn't know which way things were going to go. We were hopeful that it would go the right way. And uh, once it was announced that it did, uh, it was a, a sense of relief that we could stay on in the World Cup and continue to compete. And, uh, you know, you had your experience of playing in Australia, yeah. and Australian, you know, for domestic sides there, and the way Australians play cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of that 
was an influence in you, how you wanted to shape the South African team? Oh, massive influence. Uh, I was lucky in Australia to play under some very good captains, um, Ian and Greg Chappell and uh, Alan Border, so, uh, and, and just the whole way the Australians play cricket. So that had a big impact on my own career as far as preparation is concerned, as far as on-field um, intensity is concerned. So uh, that, that played a huge part in me, um, shaping or trying to shape a certain style of play in a certain way with the South African side. I mean, when you say that certain style of play, was it something that uh, you were consciously aware of that was lacking within the South African group that you had at the time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, initially, um, you know, I understood the strengths and the weaknesses of the team at our disposal, and I knew um, how to go about making that team successful. Um, clearly, by the time that my captaincy finished after four years, the team had progressed a long way. And then when Nancy Cronier took over, they were able to play then with more flair, more experience from the international stage and just uh, more all-round, uh, could play more aggressively and, and more adventurously, if you like. But uh, in the initial stage, it was about um, not losing matches. It was about competing and it was about trying to make sure that the players who came into the site understood the demands of international cricket. And uh, your memories, you know, the way the World Cup ended, 1975. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what was the, I'm sure people, are, uh, teammates were all disappointed, but you must have been happy with how the entire tournament yeah, I think I think there were two issues. I think uh, first of all, um, we are absolutely delighted to make the semi-final. Um, the the competition itself was pretty unforgiving in those days because you played each team and the top four finished. Uh, you had to qualify in the top four. So for us to qualify in the top four, and in fact, we had to beat India in a rain-shortened game in Adelaide to get there, which was a good win. So first of all, we were delighted to get there, but then knowing how difficult it is to get to World Cup finals, um, I was desperately keen for us to go on and win that and then play in the final. Um, clearly, the, we were on the wrong side of the rain rule at that time. I mean, if the Duckworth Lewis applied, then we were one by three runs. So, um, uh, I mean, that brought about the change. So we were on the wrong side of that result, unfortunately. So that was devastating and very disappointing. But I think looking back on it, um, the tournament for us was a huge success. Um, and uh, after that, your trip, soon after, by, the, by the time your tournament was ending, you were yeah. told that you'll be going to West Indies yeah. for uh, three ODIs and a test match. That's it. Uh, the lone test. And you mentioned about how the guys had first class experience but didn't yeah. have international experience. Yeah. But that was 50 overs. Exactly. Now actually going and playing a five day match in West Indies, in Barbados. Yeah, well, that was. How, how, how did you get to get the guys to prepare for it. Well, again, I mean, I knew that was going to be tough, the test match in Barbados, because we all know what a fortress in those days Barbados was. Um, so, again, I didn't want to install any fear into the team. Um, unfortunately, we had a couple of injuries for that test match. There was no Brian McMillan, so our team wasn't balanced. There was no John T. Rhodes either. They were both injured. And we actually played really well for four days in that test match against a strong West Indian side with Ambrose and Walsh and Richard Richardson and Desmond Haynes. So they're a good team. Uh, we competed very well over the first four days and, and, and possibly should have gone on to win the test mm-hmm. match. Um, but I knew at the end of day four that the game was by no means over. I mean, we only needed 70 runs. And I think a lot of guys in our team probably thought it was. We had eight wickets in hand, but it was a rude awakening um, of what can happen in Test cricket, the fact that we lost. It was very disappointing uh, from my point of view because I really wanted us to win that Test match. Um, 
But, you know, after that, uh, in my tenure, we went on and we never lost a test series for the next four years. So uh, I suppose it was good preparation for it. Right? And there was, of course, there is the underlying, you know, political ramifications as well of the South African team going into West Indies with the history of rebel tours and all that. Um, did any of that play any role? Not at all. Uh, I think we were made uh, incredibly welcome on that tour. We had absolutely no issues whatsoever from uh, from that point of view. And and I think although we lost the Test match, I think all the players who went on that tour thoroughly enjoyed uh, touring the West Indies. And I must say, since uh, from the time we came back, there, there was not one political ramification or incident, um, which was which we were all very grateful for and which was really good. Yeah, coming back to captaincy, uh, you know, it was said that you were a draw first captain. Mm. Which is that a fair assessment? And even if it is, in the sense that you know you're learning to mm. play this cricket, so uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, for me, it was first of all putting the team into position where we couldn't lose, and mm. then if there was an opportunity to win from there, that was the one that we would then try and take. Um, because my feeling was. We need we needed to early on in, in, in our readmittance learn to play for five days. So we we needed to be able to compete over a five day period, and for, and put ourselves in a, in a secure position and win if we could. So um, we also played against some very strong teams at the time. The Australian team was very strong, and we drew one all in Australia and one all here. So that was a good result. Same in England. So that's 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 how we played at the time, and uh, yeah, that was the strategy. I mean, it's it's. Uh Kind of baffling, I suppose, in the sense that you said you learned your captaincy ropes from yeah. the Chapel Brothers yeah. and others. And there's a thing where, say, Australia, they can, you know, they can play willing to lose to win. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you've taken it to the other side where you said you don't want to lose first. Well, I, I think it's a, it's it's more of a what you learn from the chapels and those people is to to have a ruthless approach to assess the strengths and weaknesses of your team and then to make it as difficult for the opposition. So if, had we been, been further down the track um, and had we played more test matches, my approach would have been different. Mm. There's no question. I would have then been more adventurous. I would have um, done things slightly differently. But we weren't. So the team was in a developmental phase as far as test cricket is concerned, developing our understanding how a test match works. Um, because up to that point... First last cricket was three-day cricket in South Africa, so it was a big adjustment and a big bridge to uh, to overcome. So, um, you know, we believed that that was the right way to go about it at the time, and uh, and, and as I said, we competed successfully. In, you know, Hansi Cronier came under yeah. your wing. He learned the lot of leadership from you. Yeah. Um, how big of an influence were you, and what were the things that you hoped that you would you would learn from you and implement on the field? Well, I think where we were very similar was that he, he also wanted the team to be run in a, in a very organized, disciplined fashion. And I think there was no difference as far as our leadership was concerned in, in those two issues. And, and also as far as physical fitness is concerned, he also believed in that. Um, what he could then do was he had the players by then were more experienced. So he had an Alan Donald who developed his bowling and, 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 he, and he got good all-rounders into the team like Sean Pollock and Lars Quiz. So he had a more rounded team. And I think from there it was easier for him then to, um, whereas maybe we were looking to get in a, in a position where we couldn't lose first, maybe to have an adoption approach where we, we're looking to try and get into a winning position first. So I think that that was the difference. Um, also in one-day cricket, um, 
uh, along with Bob Wilmer, they developed quite a nice style of play in, in the one-day game, which uh, which worked pretty well. So uh, I, I think the whole handing over of the team was at the right time, and it all was a progression that led up, upwards. Um, and then from then on, from Hansi, we go to Graham Smith. He comes under some turbulent conditions uh, as cricket. Um, but he was only 22. He had played only seven tests. What were your thoughts when that happened? Well, I, making the right yeah, I was sort of out of the loop uh, a little bit by then in the sense that I'd gone into broadcasting and I, I was, might even still be playing, I can't really remember. But uh, I wasn't involved in the, in, the, in, in the decision at that time. I think just from what he said himself, Graham Smith, he, he said, I think he admitted or said, that he felt maybe it was a little bit too early, but I mean, as it turned out, he had a you know a terrific career as Test captain and, and had a fantastic team under him for many many years. So um, yeah, it probably was the right decision. I don't know. I mean, it came contra- in a controversial way after yeah. that World Cup in South Africa. I think he took over from Sean if memory serves me correctly after the Sri Lanka World Cup game in Durban. So it came out of controversial circumstances, but I suppose it's, history shows it was a good decision. I mean, were you able to see certain seeds, the leadership seeds that you had sought that Hansi took over from you, then on to him in style? No, I don't think so. I think that he came too long after me to compare or to make sort of that assumption. I think, I think from myself to Hansi, definitely, probably from Hansi to Sean. And then, as I said, I was out of the loop then. It was hard for me to, to sort of determine that. Um, I want to talk a bit about Graham. Um, that uh, epic tour to England, um, where he had the large, very high scores, yeah. um, 277, etc. Yes. Uh, how important do you think that was in the long run, eventually, for himself, for the team, but more uh, for establishing his credentials as a captain? Yeah, I was actually in England at the time. I was coaching Northland, so again, I wasn't that closely associated with the South African team then. But I think any captain who leads from the front in a in a positive aggressive-like manner and who does very well and, and contributes match-winning performances, it's got to be a good thing. So I think that that tour probably really established him as a, as a leader of that group and also it showed that at the top of the order he, he, he was in a very good player. So I think that it was probably, a, I wouldn't say a coming of age, but it was a defining moment uh, when he got all those runs in England and, and you knew then that being as young as he was that he was going to have a long career so that can come to And... Uh you know, South Africa are unquestionably the number one side. From the side that you led yeah. to West Indies in yes. Barbados '92 yeah. to yeah. where they are now, of course. How would you describe the rise, the growth of the team? Well, I think if you look at South African sport in general, um, South African people are very competitive. Um, they play the game in a ruthless way in that they want to win all the time, and I think that. Although the population that play cricket is, is, is possibly smaller in nature in relation to the whole population, I think it's produced some magnificent players and, and I think world-class players all through the time. And I think if you lose, look at the last few years, I mean, if you look at people like David Williams, Ashamamla, um, the, the players that this Dale stay and the players that the system has produced, um, yeah, a lot of credit has got to go to the way that players develop in this country. And the team itself in how they progressed. There was a time where you know they were number one for a brief time, and then yeah. India took over, and then they've come That's back right, and yeah. haven't. Well, England became brief, briefly, yeah. but South yeah. Africa's, yeah. you know, in everybody's yeah. book, they would be the number one test. So 
that maturity? Yeah, I think I think what happens is if you look through history, I mean, if you look at the Australian team of the mid-70s and then you look at the West Indian team of the 80s, early 90s, and you look at the South African team, I think when you have a group of world-class players that mature at the same time and are able to, roughly the same age, and are able to play a lot of cricket for a number of years together, I think that's when you end up in, in this sort of situation. So I think if you look at all those great teams, that's exactly what happened. And I think that's happened with, uh, with this team as well, that the players, they had some probably six or seven world-class players turn a game on their own, and they were all in the same era. So that, uh, that makes a huge difference. Coming, coming to the one-day side of things, mm-hmm. you know, it is a, it is a shock that yeah. South Africa has not won a World Cup, yeah. especially when mm. you took an inexperienced side and that went to the semi-finals. Yeah. Um, where do you think they're lacking? I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really strange scenario because, as you rightly point out, not only a World Cup but also a World T20. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you look at the ability in, in the teams that have gone, you know, I thought in 96 South Africa had an excellent side. There they made a selection area when they played West Indies in the quarterfinal. They left out Arnold Donald in favour of a spinner. In 99, I thought they were best side at the tournament, um, and then that unfortunate situation happened. And then again in the West Indies also, I thought that South Africa really, really were a good side, and, and, and probably, if not the best team, but one of the best two teams at the event. So I think what's happened is that they've tended, the South African side have tended to play very well in the qualifying phase, but when the pressure of the knockout game has come along, Possibly made a couple of mistakes, either selection tactically or on the day, just outplayed by the opposition. So, but yes, look, you're right. You're right when you say that, and also it's a monkey that's on the back. You know, it's, it's something that um, they need to um, that un- until they win, which they will <laughs> eventually. Um, it might be this year, who knows? But uh, until they win one of these events, uh, it's always going to be a case of people referring to them not playing their best under pressure. So. Uh, I, I think we're all aware of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and on the test side, um, Australia, they've always been thrown on South yeah. Africa's side. doesn't matter if it's South Africa number two team or yeah. fourth team or number one team. Yeah. Somehow, Australia have this knack mm. of winning in South Africa. And you know, South Africa has won in yes, Australia also, twice, of course. So, yeah. But somehow, Australia is what differentiates Look, I think, I think, I think since you've played both. Yeah, I think what happens is that the Australian team are always up for a fight. And they, I mean, they have been at times not very good, but generally speaking, they never intimidate. So whereas other teams may be intimidated by the pure presence of a Dale Stain and a Mourne Moko and a Avery de Villiers, the Australian team will acknowledge how good those players are, but they're not intimidated. So that they will take them on. Uh, they'll, look their eye, they'll look them in the eye and take them on. So it'll be a contest. So... The contest between the two sides, with the exception of that time when Australia beat South Africa, I think 5-0 in Australia, have always been very close. Uh, you know, South Africa have drawn in Australia, won twice, and then Australia have come out, come out here and, and, and done well. So I think the contest has been all, always very good. And uh, I, I just think that Australia stand up to the challenge better than some of the other mm. nations. And, and, and possibly South Africa stand up to the Australian challenge well as well. So um, I think that that's what happens. You have two teams that play uncompromising cricket and it's always tough and it's always hard. Whereas sometimes when South Africa dominate, they beat some of the opposition easy and when Australia dominate, they also do that. But when the two of them meet, it's always, uh, it's always pretty tough. And the role of a captain in such high-pressure mm. games, you know, South Africa versus Australia, and just to throw as an example, when Sarah Ganguly was leading India in the 2001 yeah. to 2004 yeah. time, 
India always seemed to get up for a fight, especially yeah. against Australia. That's it. They may be in different yeah. form in yeah. others, but against Australia, they were yeah. up for a fight. So the role of the captain in such yeah, I think I, I think um, the role of the captain is huge because I think that if your captain is in the fight and under pressure produces not only match-winning performances but makes the right tactical decisions uh, in the heat of battle, I think that has a huge impact on the result. So I think that, that um, when South Africa plays Australia, it, it plays a massive role. Go back to when Steve Waugh was captain, when they dominated, he was the guy. You know, when, when South Africa won in Australia, Graham Smith was the guy. So I think that that is uh, Michael Clark in the last series. He mm-hmm. did very well, stood up to a, a big battering at this very ground. So I think that, yeah, captaincy in that, between two teams like that is a, is a big thing. And with that, how would you rate uh, how you did on Hansi and Sean and uh, Grant? Well, it was funny because Alan Border was captain when, when we, we met and we were very close friends. We played in Queensland together. Yeah. So neither of us were given each. And I mean, I think the end result was one all there, one all here. So it was always going to be like that, I suppose. So, um, we, we, we really didn't give an inch. I, I thought Steve Waugh possibly at times had the better of the South African setup or, or leadership maybe. And, and just like I think Graham Smith had the better of the Australian leadership when, when South Africa won twice, um, in Australia. So, um, yeah, I think that those battles have always also been very close to I mean, is there aspects of um, Smith's captaincy that you know that you noticed, that you admired, that uh, you know the future captains of South Africa could? Uh, yeah, I think I think the, I think the thing about him is when he was playing well, he had a real presence. Um, when he was batting, he had a presence. Tried to take the game away from the opposition um, he, with his physical size. He tried to. Um, Call it intimidate, but he tried to um, he tried to dominate. Is probably the right word. And and by the same token, in the field at first slip, you know, he used to catch well, and um, and and he had a presence. So Hashim Amla for me, uh, I think, will be a very good captain in a, in a different way. I think Hashim absolutely leads by from the front by all the runs he scores, and I think his calmness is uh, is very important for South Africa, and I think it will be. In, in, in what might become a transitional phase in the South African setup, like he's the way he's very experienced, very calm, and he brings uh, he brings a lot of good things to the party. So although they're very different, I think both of them, um, you know, Graham has made his contribution. I think Ashim will too. You know, uh, when you lead a team like you know, it's always said that it's a high pressure job for to lead a team like India yeah. or Pakistan, where cricket is religion, etc. Yeah. What are the pressures associated with captaining South Africa? Well, South Africans don't like to lose, so the expectation of winning is always there, whether it's cricket or rugby or football, um, South African fans don't accept um, poor results, so uh, from that point of view, it's always going to be pressure uh, on the captain, I mean, if you lose if you lose a series, if you lose two, you'll be under huge pressure, so I think everybody who takes the job knows that, and um, while you're... Your reign as captain lasts. You're not gonna, you're not gonna have too many easy, uh, easy times. So I think that that's just something in South Africa that um, that we accept. Uh, but um, in the socio-political conditions right. of what modern South Africa is, what is a captain responsible for? You know, is he only responsible for making sure South Africa wins? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think I think uh, politically, the sport has been so well integrated that I, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think. Any captain is even aware of that now. Okay. I think the only thing is that they're striving for excellence and they're striving to win. I don't think there's, well, I, I, when I say I don't think, I'm sure 
that that's not even there's none of those thoughts uh, around at all. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, from that point of view, it's been really good since '91. I think we've come to a point where those um, factors don't even enter anyone's mind. So I think it's it's a good thing. And lastly, you talked about Hashim and his calmness mm-hmm. and what he represents. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's of course he looks different from everybody before him as captain. Right, he does. Um, so. What does that represent for South Africa going well, forward? Look, I, I just, I just think that I think the country loves Hashim Amla. I think everybody really likes him. I think um, for us, he's just a, he's just a proud South African. And I think that um, you know he brings so many good things to the party, and he will be so, he will bring so many good things to the South African captaincy. That I think that when his time is done, we'll reflect on on his era as captain um, very very happily. And how do you see South African cricket? On the field. Well, I think it's a it's a short term thing of the World Cup now. I think that that's uh, the all encompassing thought of all South African cricket people and followers. And I think that you know once the World Cup is finished, then one will have to reassess and see where how it's all going to unfold. But I think right now, over the next two months or three months, the World Cup will be the only thing anyone thinks about. But in the long run, uh, long term cricket is very healthy. Um, South Africa will be very much like Australia, always competitive. They might not always be the best, mm-hmm. but they're always going to be competitive because if you look at the domestic system, the players that have come through, we've got so many players playing in South Africa, in the rest of the world, they're all good. And so I think that, as I say, they might not always be the best, but they're always going to be, always going to be competitive. Thank you, sir. Okay. That's in the air. This could be out. Diamond's underneath it. Will he catch it? He's got good hands. He's got him. Yes, he has. Diamond's got him in the deep. Having fumbled all night. He's taken the big one.